We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, let's dive into our mailbag. We did have a couple super chats here. We got one from Pete Weber. Uh, who do you think you are? I am. Okay. Uh, thank you for the super chat there, Pete. Uh, oh, you don't know, said, you don't know that you don't huh? know the Pete Weber thing. He's no. the he's oh, the bowler. yeah the bowler. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. I just don't know where that's you know why that's relevant to what we're doing here, but I appreciate that. Um, Wicked Bronco Productions with a super chat. We had to mute him for a second, but I'm sure he'll be back at some point. Uh, if you watch BYU versus Utah State, who lost to Weber State, Utah State ran all over this BYU team. So did Wyoming. BYU, Notre Dame will win by 14 like the North Carolina game. No no one is saying that they're not capable of that. Mm-hmm. I think the conversation that needs to be had that that is a little bit um, irrational, first of all, uh, Wyoming rushed for 124 yards and 3.7 yards per carry. So I don't know what you're talking about in that regard. So. Uh, Baylor also averaged 2.9 yards per carry against Bay- against BYU's defense. South Florida had 107 yards and 4.0 yards per carry. Utah State ran for over 200 yards because they had a couple big runs. They averaged 4.2 yards per carry. That's not exactly running all over a team. The only team that really just dominated BYU up front was Oregon. Yep. Right? And so they played bad against Utah State and still won by double digits. Right? Notre Dame should win this game, Ryan. Yes, they should win this game, in my opinion, by double figures. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between saying what they should do and then being honest and objective and saying Notre Dame hasn't earned the the benefit of the doubt yet that they will show up and play that way. They yeah. haven't. This is a team that lost to Marshall. What would you rather yes. have? An ugly win over Utah State and Wyoming or a loss to Marshall? The win all day. Win all exactly. Day. Exactly. And, and Brian, exactly. I, I just we've talked about this before, but I hate this a team that lost to this team that lost to that team right. thing. Like I, I think transitive properties with someone put in the chat. Like it's just, it's really bad. Notre, Notre Dame lost to Marshall who lost to Bowling Green. Right. What, what, I mean, what are we doing? Does that mean Bowling Green is going to beat Notre Dame? And, and, yes. and didn't they lose to somebody? Hold on. Who is their other loss to? Yeah. They lost to Troy by nine. Does that mean mm-hmm. Troy can beat Notre Dame? Right. I mean, you know, and, and Troy lost to App State. Well, App State lost to North Carolina, who Notre Dame beat, right? Like, so this stuff is just useless, right? Mm-hmm. It's stuff mm-hmm. is useless. 
so those are those are some of the things that you look at and 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 say like it's just not it's just not helpful. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. There's a lot of things that factor into why teams play certain ways certain days. Like I feel like if Notre Dame would have had a bye week after losing to Ohio State, then played Marshall, I don't think they lose because they'd had more time to get over the emotionalness of the loss, which is something we talked about in the offseason, is how would Notre Dame handle whatever happened against Ohio State? Yep. So those are the different things that that you look at. That's um, you know, thank you for the super chat, Wicked Bronco Productions. I, I do appreciate that. I just wish you'd kind of chill out a little bit with just this BYU sucks talk. I don't know where it comes from, but BYU doesn't suck. They're seven and two against ranked teams. And that includes a win over Baylor, who is the reigning pack Big 12 champs. They also beat Utah last year. Right? Okay, so you they beat Utah. So let's let's do it this way, Ryan. So they beat Utah by nine last year. Mm-hmm. Utah lost Ohio State by three in the Rose Bowl. So yep. does that mean that BYU was better than Ohio State last year? Yes. Okay. Just, that's what that means. That's what I thought. That's, that's what, what I that thought. Means. Exactly. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried trade coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about trade coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com irish. That's drinktrade.com irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. 
John A1 says, if Notre Dame plays the potential on offense, should we see another 40-plus point performance? John, if they play to their potential and score anything over 31, I think that's a good performance because I think they'll kind of control the clock a little bit. Uh, you know, I think that they'll they'll you know BYU will will have some success on offense. I, I think a little bit. I think part of it depends on what the defense does. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, I think Notre Dame scoring forty plus is going to be a lot more on than is going to have a lot more involved with the Notre Dame defense than it will the offense. In my yep. opinion, if that makes well, sense, Ryan, I think they're going to have to give does. limit the possessions, limit the time of possessions, and stuff like that if they're going to get to forty. Yeah, I mean that that's the context of whether you get to 40 or not. But I mean, John, I mean to the to the baseline of the question, can Notre Dame score 40? It's possible. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's it yeah. is. I mean, I, I look, there's very good parts of BYU's defense, but there's also parts that Notre right. Dame can take advantage of, in my opinion. There is. But again, to Brian's point, I think that you can score in the 30s and still consider it a good performance yeah. against Notre yeah. Dame. Because again, BYU is a good football team. Yes. So I, I think that we they need to keep that a context. Much better mind. defense than North Carolina. I, I see people saying, oh, they're worse than North Carolina. No, they're not. They're not worse than North Carolina. Oh, they're a better they're defense. They're much than better than North Carolina yeah. on offense. Oh, yes. oh, yes. You know, so so if no like if Notre Dame wins like 34 to 20 and and they execute well, I'll say, yeah, it's, that's kind of close to playing to their – you beat a two, a, a, the number 16 team in the country, a 4-1 and one team that's 7-2 against Power 5 opponents over the last two years. You go in a neutral field, you know, that's two time zones away from where you live, and you beat them 34-20, to 20, you played a good football game. Yep. You know, will there be things that you can say, oh, you know, improve here a little bit there? Sure. But to your point, though, John – could Notre Dame like if Notre Dame scores over forty against BYU? They didn't just play to their potential; like they 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 played really well. outstanding football yeah. on offense. Or it was like the Wisconsin game where they had a couple, you know, late game you know add them in to kind of pad the stats a little bit more than you add. Like it it was really a twenty four to thirteen game against Wisconsin. Really, if you just look at the Notre Dame offense, they only scored twenty four points. And they scored a touchdown on special teams. They scored two touchdowns on defense. Right. If something like that happens, then sure, it could be a 41 to 13 game. Is Notre Dame capable offensively of going out and ripping them for 40 plus just because they're that good? Sure. But they'd have to play much better than we've seen so far this year, in my opinion, Ryan. So I'm not sure if you agree with that. They're they're just, they're not North Carolina, folks. I mean, they're not. not. North Carolina is giving up 193 rushing yards a game. Do y'all get that? Like, that's with keeping Virginia Tech to 99 and Florida AM to 56. Right, they've given I, up two thirty five, two eighty seven, and two eighty eight this year. The most of Baylor's given or, or uh, BYU's given up is two hundred twelve. Brian, you ready for this question? Here's a question. This is a funny one. What's worse, Iowa's offense or North Carolina's defense? Iowa's offense. No, no, North Still? Carolina's defense. Yeah, no, Iowa's offense. Still Iowa's on, offense. Yeah. I, I yeah. probably would go with Iowa's offense too, but the fact that you have to think there for a yeah. split second is like, says huh. a lot. Yeah, yeah, it says a lot. It does say a yeah. lot. <laughs> it says a lot. I was like, no, it's no, it's no, wait, hold on. No, because here's the thing at least, at least North Carolina's defense can say we had a good game. Mm-hmm. They had a really good game against Virginia Tech. Their defense, I'll tell you what, kudos to Mac Brown and Gene Chizik for getting them to play the way they did against Virginia Tech. Mm hmm. Because they were coming off of a game where at home they got their butts kicked. I mean, they got their butts kicked by Notre Dame. And a week later, they come out against a Virginia Tech team who the year before kicked their butts on their own field, right? (laughs) Beat them 17-10. 
and they smashed them and held them to 10 points. Ryan, they held Virginia Tech to 273 yards of offense. Notre Dame had more rushing yards than that, and Notre Dame had more passing yards than that. That that says a lot about that coaching staff, that they got those kids to bounce back that quickly. Now, does Virginia Tech stink? Yes, but so did Florida A&M, who had, was out without 22 kids and scored 24 on North Carolina and had more yards than – almost 100 more yards. Uh, that's about 60 more yards than what Virginia Tech had. That's a good that's a good bounce back performance. So at least they've done that once. Iowa has yet to have a game like that on offense, in my opinion. My my, my favorite thing was that Florida AM uh, game because you know Twitter is super hyperbolic. So everyone's like, oh wow, this Musa kid from uh from Florida AM, the quarterback, he could mm-hmm. play, man. He could play. And mm-hmm. then you just are like, oh wait, North Carolina's just really bad on defense. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. more of that. More of that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I want to bring up this super chat, Matt Romero, uh, with a super chat. Matt said, Coach D siding at work made my day. So I, I got to share this story, Matt. So I, you, we all know what's going on with our dog, Rita. So I had to go to uh, PetSmart on Monday, and I'm doing some shopping, and I'm getting, I'm getting you know, some dry food. We got her some new toys because she likes to tear up ropes. And she, like, literally tries to untie the knots. She'll just, like, start pulling at, like, the, 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 sh- the string, right, just, like, shredding. And then, like, she'll, like, kick it out. It's, it's hilarious watching her do it. But we're like, you know, with all the issues she's having, it's probably not good that she's doing that. So we got her some ropes that don't, you know, that don't tear apart. We got her some other things. Anyway, so I'm driving home and it's like this, I'm at a stop light and there's an ambulance in front of me. And all of a sudden the back door of the ambulance comes open. Now that's not something you expect to see when you're driving down the road. And I see someone point at me and go, Coach D, Coach D. And I'm like, Hey man, <laughs> I'm like, so that was Matt Romero. Who's been a, he's one of the, the Irish breakdown, Ryan, uh, you may not know this cause you weren't here yet, but Matt is one of the OGs to Irish breakdown, the chat, the message board, all of it. So, uh, and, and he's a, he's a medic obviously. So we really appreciate him and what he does and how he serves our community, but also uh, it was great seeing him. So and then he sent me a DM. So I was like, I don't know who that was kind of looked familiar. And then he sent me the DM, let me know it's him. So but that was pretty awesome, man. It definitely made my day as well. So I, I really, I really appreciate that very, very much, uh, very, very much. So that was that was fun. But I wasn't expecting that. Like you know, you don't expect like to see an ambulance door open up <laughs> when you're like on the road at a stoplight, and then to see a dude like pointing at you. Because at first I was like, "What's he doing?" I'm like, "Is there something like like is there something like do I like is my trunk about to pop open? Like I'm thinking something was wrong. Did I leave like my wallet on top of my car or something like that?" Then I figured out what he was saying. So that was a pretty cool moment. It's pretty fun. So I appreciate that, Matt, very, very much. Got another super chat here from Mark E. Stewart. And Mark says, as a better, I know this BYU team is solid, but I hope we knock them off. The national media and voters see it as a quality win that it would be. And I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. I I think Notre Dame would gain a lot of respect from the national media, from pollsters and all that kind of stuff if they if they're able to beat BYU especially if they could do it convincingly Ryan mm-hmm. because BYU's got some really interesting games coming up right where they play Arkansas next week at home right wow. if you can smack BYU and they give Arkansas a game then you know what does that what does that kind of do for your perception because people are super high on Arkansas right now although they they have lost two in a row but there's, you know, they're the darling. They love Sam Pittman and that team, and rightfully so. Arkansas is a fun team to watch. They really are. I love KJ Jefferson. So, uh, yeah, I think it would definitely mark. It would, perception matters. It doesn't matter when it comes to the college football playoff. It doesn't matter and the the things that ultimately matter. You know, you don't you don't win games because of perception. 
but it matters from the standpoint of just the overall health of your program. And it really matters from a recruiting standpoint, Ryan, is where that stuff, that perception can really have an impact. So uh, yep. I agree with that, Mark. We do have another and, soup. Go ahead, Ryan. I, know, I was just going to say, and with the season you got off to with the first couple of games, you want to start stacking quality wins, right? Like he called it a quality win. And I agree, Mark. And I still think yep. North Carolina was a quality win. I think BYU would be a quality win. Start stacking those together. That's how was a quality win. See. Maybe yeah, not from it win. wasn't as impressive as it should have been. From a but, national perspective. Yeah, yeah but right, Cal's a right. three and two foot. I mean, if Cal is your third best win, that you're you're in a pretty good place. You yeah. know, I mean I, that, that's kind of the point that I'm that I'm making. They're they're three and two right now, and they play at Colorado this week. So they're better be four and two if Justin Wilcox wants to keep his job. So <laughs> that's gonna be a hard one to come back from. We have another super chat from Wicked Bronco Productions. He uh he says, I just think BYU is not as good as people think. That's all. They're a good team, which is exactly what we're saying. But if yeah. Notre Dame wins, they won't be ranked. Anyway, I think we go 10-2, to two and the Marshall game will be shown as a fluke. Sorry. That's all fine and dandy, but you're a, you're projecting a lot that we can't know right now. Yeah, And and that's the point. And the point of this breakdown is to we're going to give due all due respect to the opponent. If a team's not good, we'll tell you they're not good. But – I remember people laughing when we said this Marshall team is a is a decent football. Oh, you're you know, laughing. Oh, this team sucks. And well, look what happened. Hey, this Cal no. defense is pretty good. No, they suck. You you know you're talking about they're going to get they're going to and then look what happened, right? And what we said last week was North Carolina's defense is really trash. <laughs> and we were honest about that. And guess what? They were. We're going to give you an honest view of who this team is. We're not going to mm-hmm. pump a team up just because. We're not going to tear a team down just because. This is a that we give honest analysis and. BYU may not be ranked if they lose to Notre Dame. They still might because people know that this is a preseason top five team that mm-hmm. had look right now. If Notre Dame beats BYU, the perception is they had one bad day. Mm-hmm. They had one bad day. They had a freaking bad day against Marshall. They beat Cal, who's got a winning record. They beat North Carolina, who's now four and one. They would have beat BYU, who's now four and one, and beat Baylor. Right? I mean, early in the season, they got a win over Baylor. They may may not be ranked. I don't think they fall out of the top twenty five. With just a, now, if Notre Dame smashes them, then they fall out of the top twenty five. Yeah. Like if Notre Dame goes out there and beats them like forty five to twenty, then yeah, I think they fall out of the top twenty five. But I think if Notre Dame wins like 27, 24, I don't think they fall out of the top twenty five. It's a good football mm-hmm. team, and yeah. you say they're a good team. Well, that's all we're saying. I don't know anyone that thinks BYU is a top ten team. No one is arguing that BYU, if they went out, could be a playoff team. Nobody's arguing that. I don't think they would be, right? Yeah. But you say they'd have a win over Notre Dame, they'd have a win over Baylor, and a win over Arkansas, and a win over Stanford. You know, so may, maybe they could be, but that's not the conversation. We're trying to say they have a shot to be the highest ranked Power Five team, which right mm-hmm. now I think they are. Am I am I forgetting someone, Ryan? I don't. What so. non Power Five team right now is ranked higher than BYU in the rankings? I don't. Now again, it doesn't matter what the what the AP poll says. It's really about what the College Football Playoff Committee says. But right now, all we have is that, and and. There's only two non-power fives ranked in the top 25. BYU is 16, Cincinnati 24. That's it. And Cincinnati's and I, not even in the top 25 on the on the coaches poll. Yeah, and I would say this too. I think that someone said earlier, I forget who it was, that they thought that BYU is not a top 25 team. I, I would just push back, man. And I say yeah. that I think their top 25 is validated. Like who I think should they're be? a football team. All right, exactly. Who who, who, who's the next man in, I guess? If they're not, who that. should be? You know, he says Illinois should be ranked. Illinois lost to Indiana. Indiana. Right? So why should they be ranked? Th- this is this is non-Power 5 bias is what we're seeing from some people. 
right? I mean, you're you're talking about Illinois team that lost to Indiana and they should be in the top 25 over BYU. Who has a win over Baylor? With all due respect, beating Baylor is a whole lot more impressive than doing anything against Wisconsin, right? I mean, it just is. Wisconsin's not good. They're not good at all, right? I mean, so, um, no. They smacked Wisconsin. I don't care if they smacked Wisconsin. Wisconsin sucks. Wisconsin's (laughs) two and three. You get that, right? Wisconsin's two and three, right? They suck. So, you know, it's if if BYU was already in the Pac twelve or in the Big Twelve, people would probably say something different, right? This is a good football team, and this is what bothers me, Ryan. This is why it bothers yeah. me, because yeah. what happens is is Notre Dame wins thirty seven to thirty, and oh, they they Notre Dame's not that good. The same people that thought BYU sucked are the ones that cry when they don't beat them by forty. The people that have an appreciation for who for who Notre Dame is and who BYU is enjoy those wins more. Hey, yeah, they should have won by more, but they beat a quality football team today. And that's mm-hmm. the whole point, right? And, you know, it just it frustrates me when 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 we get people like that. But I'm I'm honestly done engaging that at this point in time. So we're going to now focus on on BYU. Well, can, BYU can I is. can I give you a compliment real quick? You like compliments Who? occasionally. Me or right? him? You. You. Me? Well, yeah, occasionally. Nice. Yeah, cuz I mean, I get ripped all last, the time when last... I get emails and DMs, so yeah. <laughs> Last week, what what a call by you about the Paul Chris thing, by the way. You you called that one, man. You called Which that one, one that he'd be done that, if they that lost it, Illinois. That it may be the demise of Paul Chris that lost Illinois. So because I picked them winning that game. I picked Illinois winning that game. I got the Purdue you, you got the Minnesota one right. Purdue beat Minnesota, but I, I just I I did not like the way Wisconsin you, played. Dude, I had such a good week of predicting games last week, and my my upset pick what was like 10 seconds from winning. Was what was your upset pick again? Was Coastal losing to um, Georgia Southern? And yeah. they, Coastal ended up winning with like yeah. less than a minute left. I'm like, you jerks. Yeah. jerks. I went 5 and 0 in our, I, I think you did too, right? I went 5 and 0, and then I I just missed the the upset yeah. pick. Yep. We both went 5 and 0 last week in our, our official picks. Uh, but yeah, it was an, it was an inter- very interesting week of football, man. Very interesting week. The one I got wrong, the one I got really wrong was, and we also said, we had an inter- I also I didn't predict TCU to beat Oklahoma, but I told you, I said if TCU starts well, I think they could get going because I don't like a lot. I don't like Oklahoma right now. No. Get to the next one from Brandon Plensner says B Ryan with Mickey and Morrison already steadily in the quarterback rotation. Which of Barnes, Riley, Tucker, and Lewis do you see moving to safety next year, and who definitely stays a cornerback? I could see Barnes and Riley both being safeties. Well, I mean, they already they already started the yeah. cross training stuff with Barnes, yeah. right? So, like, that's a pretty good indicator that that's probably where it might I, go. I actually see. So, Brandon, here's my take on this, Ryan. And this is about something you and I talked about. The way that Cam Hart's playing right now, he's been okay. I don't see. I don't know if leaving for the NFL after this year would be an ideal thing for him. The way he's playing right now, he's not going to get picked real high. He's and, not yeah, playing really I, well. And I have an NFL draft piece that'll be coming out sometime in the it'll near be, future on the site. It'll be on the board later today. I'm going to put gotcha. it up on the board because it's it was yeah. some really good intel that I want to make premium for our subscribers. Yeah, but so, yeah. J- just a, a quick peek into Little that teams. is that um, yeah the uh, there's a mixed bag on Cam Hart at the next level right now. We'll just leave it at that for now. So to mm-hmm. your point, Brian, I don't yeah. th- I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Cam Hart is gone after this year. Yeah. Now the reason that matters here, Ryan, is if he comes back, that gives you a lot more flexibility about what you can do with Clarence Lewis. Because you'll have Cam Hart, Jaden Mickey, and Benjamin Morrison. Yep. Now, the way I see it playing out is if Cam Hart comes back, 
what happens is, is your two outside guys stay the same. It's Benjamin Morrison's already starting and Cam Hart is there. I'm sliding Jade Mickey right inside to replace Tariq Bracey. Yeah, that's that's I me. Mean, that's a that's about as easy of a no brainer move for me as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Then you look at okay, is Chance Tucker ready to crack the rotation and help out? I think next year is when you could start to really see Chance make a push to corner, sort of take over the Clarence Lewis role as you know that third corner playing outside. You could also see Jade and Mickey do that at times when you're playing a more traditional team and you don't need a rover or I mean a nickel, but I think when you look at Notre Dame's schedule and you look at the teams that they play, more often than not, you're going to need you're going to be in a lot of nickel stuff. And you look at their schedule next year, Ohio State, USC, Wake Forest, Clemson, Duke, Louisville, NC State. Those are all teams where you're going to be in nickel a lot. Right? And so you're going to need a fourth corner in those games to be your third outside guy. Is yep. it Chance Tucker? Is it is it is it Barnes? Is it Riley? I think the the winner of that battle, you kind of feel you have to stay at safety unless you want to just keep Clarence Lewis there and move somebody else to corner. I feel like Clarence Lewis is too good of a football player not to play more at a spot where I think his game better translates. So I think Clarence Lewis becomes a, a solid corner who mm-hmm. is where he should be, the number three guy behind two really talented guys in Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison. As a safety, I think he's a starting caliber player to place like Notre Dame. I he agree. is a more athletic version of DJ Brown, in my opinion. That's how I see him. Then if you got Ryan Barnes there, you've got Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watts, and then, of course, you'll have Peyton Bowen coming in next year as well. I think the freshman will have a chance to impact. I think Peyton Bowen is the kind of guy that could have an impact on defense very similarly to Benjamin Morrison. Like, mm-hmm. you're not – and now I didn't predict this from Benjamin Morrison. I thought Benjamin would play as a freshman and then start next year. I mean, you know that, Ryan. I've been as nobody's been higher on Benjamin Morrison than I have, and he's still better than I thought he was going to be. The, uh, earlier, I should say earlier. Mm-hmm. But I think Clarence could be a really good starting safety. Yep. But somebody's going to have to force. You can't just move him and hope somebody replaces him. Well, you've got to. Somebody's got to force him to be able to play safety. Is yep. that? What is that Chance Tucker? Is it Philip Riley? Is it Ryan Barnes? I don't know the answer to that. Or is it Christian Gray or Micah Bell? I think right. Micah Bell's probably going to need a year to develop yeah. physically and, and just the technique. But his speed is such that you're like, dude, you got to find a home for him. Like, you got to find a play. And I'd say maybe consider making him the number two behind Jane Mickey in the nickel just early on and letting him kind of get used to that or something. But somebody's going to have to force that to me, uh, mm-hmm. Brandon. Somebody's going to have to force Clarence Lewis to move to safety. You know, but I think Philip Riley, the problem with Philip Riley is the struggle he's had at, at corner, Ryan, is he just, he's not a real instinctive guy. And mm-hmm. that doesn't bode well at safety either. No. So mm-hmm. I don't think it helps you at either spot uh, to me. And I don't know if Chance Tucker has the frame to be a safety right now. I think Ryan not Barnes and Clarence Lewis are the two best options. Clarence Lewis at safety is really interesting, Brian. I mean, we talked about this before, though, because he's a guy that literally can rotate down and play man. He can play, you know, from depth. He can tackle. Like, I've really liked the opportunity for Clarence Lewis potentially because I think that you can use him as a versatile piece on the back end. And then you start thinking, like, Peyton Bowen coming in. What if Brandon Joseph comes back? Then your your safety group is just like, whoa, man, that's a lot of positive and – possibilities for that safety room. So I agree. And and along that, Ian Johnson asks us, could Christian Gray be a serious contributor as a freshman like Morrison? I, I, it depends on whether or not Cam Hart comes back. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if Cam Hart doesn't come back, I think you're going to need one of those freshmen to, to push, mm-hmm. you know, some of the older guys. And he could, Christian Gray could, he could. I think Benjamin Morrison is a better prospect. I graded him higher, but Clarence, look, Christian Gray's a really, and he's having a heck of a senior year. Yes. It's about a kid that's playing. I mean, think about who they've played Springfield from Ohio, <laughs> who's got like three Division One athletes on their team. They've played IMG. They just played Christian Brothers this past week. You're like, that dude's being tested. Oh, and they right? just played, he just played against Ryan Wingo in St. That's Louis right. University. That's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that kid is going to be battle tested when he gets to Notre Dame next we, year. Brian, we talked about it on the Monday show, but yeah. he gave up two catches for 13 yards against Ryan Wingo. So yeah. Christian Gray is playing his butt off, man. He really yeah. is. I talked to Sean last night. And he said he talked to Christian about that. Christian was like, no, 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 they're quarterback. And he just – he would not be like I dominated him. You know, it was just really, like, humble. But, yeah, he's well, a good football player. Well, according to Sean on the uh, on the post today on the message board, which is why you should be on boards.irishbreakdown.com because yes, there's a lot right. of good stuff. They have a little uh, little nickname for that St. Louis crew, which is pretty yes. cool. I love it, by the way. Yeah. I love it, yep. by the way. Uh, so yeah, I think he'll have a shot. And then Micah Bell's speed alone makes him a, a contender to play as a freshman. He's, I mean, just, he's got he's got to be in the special teams yeah, conversation. He's just too dynamic to not be doing something. You can't keep a legit low four three guy on the sidelines, in my opinion. Unless he just fit. the only exception is if he just physically can't play. If he just physically not ready, we're afraid he might get hurt. That's the only that's the only exception to me of, of in that instance uh, for me, Ryan. Five state revival, Brian Ryan. If you were a five star, high... okay, we this was asked yesterday, Ryan. So I'll let you give this answer. Okay. Uh, five state revival, Brian Ryan. If you were a five star high school quarterback recruit today, which schools would make your top five list and why? Also, which school do you think would would you ultimately commit to? So uh, you want to go ahead and take a crack at that? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I mean, that, me in the current state, I'm a Notre Dame fan, right? Sure. So Notre Notre Dame would be in my top five, but then yep. after that, it would be who develops quarterbacks at a high level, right? So Ohio State would be in that conversation. I would actually love to be with Steve Sarkeesian, if I'm being honest. That 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 was my other one. Because I was asked top three yesterday. It was Notre Dame, Texas, and Alabama – or Notre Dame, Texas, and Ohio State. So, so far, we're on on par. Yes. Top three, I think, is pretty nice. I guess Georgia might be in that conversation because – As long as Munkin's there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. As long as Munkin's there because they – they make things pretty easy for a quarterback. And for, so for a five-star, you should have a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity. Yep. So that would be four. And I don't know who the fifth would be, if I'm being honest. It's like, definitely just, not USC because there's no way in heck I'd want to live in California. You know that, right? Sure. You know, sure. Who, you know who I might – well, no, because Seattle's pretty nuts too. I'll say, you know a guy that I might sneakily decide to look at is Kalen DeBoer at, at, at Washington. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer That's a real sneaky nice potential option right now. I'd have to think about who my fifth would be. I'll maybe tell you maybe, what, ten, maybe Tennessee. Tennessee. Yep. There you oh, go. yeah. Josh Heifel, man. I, I yep. would my play. That'd be for another him, one. Yeah. That'd be another one. And, you, and Nashville's a place I could see myself, or, you know, Knoxville, I should say, uh, is a place I could see myself. You know, greatest I, stat ever. Last two years of Hendon Hooker as a starter, he's thrown 48 touchdowns, only thrown two interceptions. It's fantastic, nuts. man. Incredible. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. That would be now who would I ultimately commit to? Here's the problem. Of those five schools, the one un- the one question mark in regard to developing quarterbacks is Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, yeah, I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I'd have to think long and hard about whether or not I was willing to take that chance of committing there when it, there's the uncertainty of, well, can they develop me? Yeah. You know, uh, so it would be tough. I would probably say right now I'd probably still pick Notre Dame just because if I'm a five-star quarterback, I'd be pretty confident in myself. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah, sure. But those guys aren't me, <laughs> right? You know, because yesterday the question was if you had a kid, I'd look at it differently as a parent than I would if sure. I was the five-star commit. As sure. a parent, I'm looking at it more analytically, more thoughtful. Like, you know, you, but as a kid, I'd be like, I, I, if Notre Dame's my dream school, Notre Dame's where I want to go, and I'd love Marcus Freeman as a recruit. I would love Marcus Freeman as a recruit. And I get to play behind a Harry Heastan offensive line. Are you kidding me? Of course. Well, they haven't developed quarterbacks. Yeah, but those guys aren't me. Right. That's that's how I would feel. That's just I mean, I felt that way and I played division three football. right? And so <laughs> if I was a five star quarterback, I would definitely feel that way. So um, I'd probably still pick Notre Dame, but it'd be really hard to say no to Sark and Ryan Day. If I was a yeah. big time quarterback, it'd be really hard, 100%. really hard because you could sit for two, three years at Ohio State, start for two and then be a first round draft pick. Yeah. It's funny that neither one of us picked to play for Bill O'Brien. Oh, God, no. I wouldn't even visit Alabama. <laughs> He'd call an offer me and start laughing at him. Like, dude, I've, I've, well, I guess I should say that because if I was a five star recruit, I wouldn't have the, I've had personal experience with Bill O'Brien yeah. that makes me dislike him a lot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, being at camps and in coaching circles, I wouldn't know that if I was a recruit, but it wouldn't take me very long to hang around Bill O'Brien and be like, nah, dude, you ain't that guy. You ain't that guy. So I'd rather go to Auburn and play for Brian Harson. Than play for you, uh, which tells you how little chance I would want to play at Alabama. And I say this: Alabama has they they are they are their coordinator situation right now is a mess because I do I don't think Pete Golding's a very good defensive coordinator either. He's just getting by on talent. You give I'll say this: you give Al Golden the talent that or Brent Venables the talent that Pete Golding is working with on mm-hmm. defense, and huh, 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 I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that a lot. But he, you know, he he wastes it. He really does, in my opinion. They're not nearly as good on defense as they should be, Brian, mm-hmm. at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as good. I agree. Rob Osgood says, my grandfather always told me this. Show me, don't tell me. That is what this BYU game means to me, Rob. And you nailed it. Agreed. You Agreed. nailed it. Jacob Steely says, What a show yesterday. I highly encourage anyone who didn't get a chance to listen to Brian and Sean. Please do yourself a favor and listen in. Great insight on Tobias and Reese in general. I think you should definitely listen to yesterday's show if you didn't get a chance to listen. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Jacob. I appreciate you very much. Kirk Roberts, if is this uh, Ryan's cousin Kirk, says, if Notre Dame comes out aggressive with their running game and put a spy on the BYQB so he doesn't get garbage yards, we'll win by 10. Ryan, I'm going to ask you this. I don't I don't necessarily I'm not a big fan of the spy unless you're playing Lamar Jackson type of guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Dynamic. Like yeah. 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 And like they didn't put a spy on Drake May, and after the first series, they shut him down. Mm-hmm. I still think if you force Jaron Hall to stay in the pocket, that you can have and, and you put see what they did last week was they did a really good job of pushing the pocket back, but then not losing gap integrity mm-hmm. after the first drive. And then they had some stunts on third down that allowed them to kind of, you know, there was one time they ran a quarterback draw and Maris just literally stunted right into it. I thought they executed better. I don't think you need a spy to stop the quarterback runs. You just need to be more disciplined because what they were doing in the first game, and Al Golden talked about this last week before the game, as an interior defender, you cannot run past the quarterback. And there was two snaps where you saw one was Jason Adamiola, and I forget who the other one was, where they literally just ran right past the quarterback, and he steps right up underneath him and takes off running. Mm-hmm. You can't do that, right? Yep. And that's just execution. That's not a scheme problem. It's an execution yeah. problem. And it's just a guy being too aggressive, which I get, right? You know, push him and then spin back out or something like that, you know? But yep. they that's what they need to do, not 
keep a spy. I don't need a spy. I want that spy dropping underneath the end cut. Because if you have a spy there, he's going to bang end cuts and, and bang crossers and do all that other kind of stuff. Because you've got now a fifth guy doing nothing but looking at the quarterback. I don't yep. think that's the way. Jaron Hall's a good athlete. He's not that kind of weapon where you need to do that, in my opinion. I agree with you. I, I, I think that for me, it's we talk about this all the time. Defensive line needs to finish at the quarterback. Get off of blocks. Let's get let's get Jaron Hall on the ground if you're Notre Dame, right? But the other thing too, Brian, is I think that this is a game where Jaron Hall is playing at a really high level. So I think mix and matching coverage is a big thing this week. You don't have to play spy, but if you mix in a, a little bit of zone coverage, your eyes are going to be back toward the quarterback naturally if you're a second-level mm-hmm. defender and a secondary defender just in general as well. So mixing and matching, man and zone. He's not a kid that I just want to run man against all day because if his back is to the quarterback, he that's where he's going to hurt you as an extender. So finish on the quarterback, mix and match zone and man. I think you'll be fine. I agree, Brian. Like, the spy thing, I think, is really overplayed. People are just are always like, oh, just throw a spy out there. Throw a spy out there. But if you mm-hmm. throw a spy, it also means that you have one less pass coverage player. And what Jared Hall does best is he's a passer, right? Like, it's not he's a running threat who can also pass. He's a passer that can also be an extender at times, right? Like, he's that mm-hmm. type of dude. So let's cover the pass first. Then we'll worry about Jaron Hall. You can mix and match the man and zone, and I think you could get that out of the way. Yep, absolutely. Ian Johnson with Super Chat, no special teams matchup, the third <laughs> phase of the game. No, we're not, because special teams is going to be real easy. Do your job. Don't give up big plays. That's it. That's it. Plus, no one wants to, not many, not enough people. You're not going to understand. We're going to always give you honest analysis, but there does come some strategy of what we talk about, because it's got to be something that people will want to listen to, sure. right? And so we always give people, you got to cover basketball. You got to cover basketball. Okay, cool. We'll do basketball articles. And then nobody, like 20 people will watch it. We had Tom Noy on last year to talk to preview the basketball team. It was a great interview. It had like a hundred listens. Tom does a great job. It's just, there's just not the interest there. And that's some things that we got to kind of factor into when we make these decisions. Rob Osgood said, this might sound strange, but I don't care about winning by 10, 15 or 20. This game to me is a test to see what uh, and who this team is. This Notre Dame team is right now. I have no idea. This game will tell me a lot. I agree, but I do think, whether they win by 10 or 15 or 20 is going to be part of that evaluation process. The big key is just get a W. If you win by one, you're going to, you know, then that's fine. Then you go out and beat Stanford next week and beat UNLV. All of a sudden you're five and two and back in the top 25 for sure. And the way this season has gone, you might even be in top 20 by then. (laughs) The way this season has gone, Ryan. Uh, And then you get healthy going into the Syracuse and uh, Clemson matchups. Reed Crosby is a BYU fan that joined the show. He says, I saw the Notre Dame receivers have something like 390 yards all year. Is this because of the quarterback situation, lack of trust, lack of talent, or just offensive scheme? It's kind of – I don't think there's a lack of talent. I keep saying this. There's not a lack of talent. There's a lack of depth of talent, right? And then there's a lack of using all of your talent. It's been partly the receivers not playing well. It's been partly – them not using the receivers well. And part of it, too, has been the offensive line, and part of it has been the quarterback. Look, there was like a, a, oh, Braden Lindy sucks again thing here today. And I'm like, look, if Notre Dame's quarterbacks were accurate, Braden Lindsay would have like 400 yards right now. Like, yeah, he there's some plays he doesn't make on throws. That you're like, that's not a ball you should be throwing to Braden Lindsay. You shouldn't be throwing Braden Lindsay a back shoulder one-on-one. That's not who he is. But yep. he's he should he was open for a 75-yard touchdown at the end of the first half against Marshall. 
He would have had the game-winning, game-clinching touchdown against Marshall if the quarterback, if Buckner read it right. He blows past the guy who squats and blows past it. should have been the easiest 30-yard touchdown of his career. Quarterback doesn't get it. He runs by Ohio State guy by like three or four yards. You remember the play I'm talking about in the third quarter, Ryan? Where yep. he runs that wide fade and just smokes the dude off the line. And Buckner sees it, and as soon as Buckner gets to the top of his drop, linebacker comes in and drills him right in the face. Y'all don't see that on TV. But when we when I I'm at the game, I see it. Ryan watches the all 22. He sees it. And what I said when you had to dip out, Ryan, is if the quarterbacks and the offensive line were playing well this season, he'd have mm-hmm. at least four or five hundred yards right now, in my opinion. You I just agree. look at the place he's been open and, and on a small number of catches, right? Yeah. I mean, he would have he, at he, least he, 130 against Marshall. He'd least. have like five, five or six touchdowns right now, too. Yes. To be honest. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now, has he made plays in some of those instances where he has that opportunity. No, but those are not the type, kind of throws where he's going to be making those plays. 100%. And so uh, he is not a – he's not Will Fuller, but he's better than a lot of you give him credit for. He can't throw the ball to himself. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of it. He can't throw the ball to himself. And I would encourage some of you who say he doesn't ever get open, if you've only watched a game on TV, you should probably not be having that conversation. I'm just – I don't mean that disrespectfully, something. but on TV you just can't see certain things. It just you just can't and he was also open on a, a play against cow he got open over the middle on that third down that they didn't get and drew pine throws it behind him if drew just hits him like right here that's a 20 yard completion for Braden. he did his job quarterback didn't do his and that's been happening to him a lot this year to be honest with you yep we are not marshall asks brian and ryan who is the x factor on offense and defense uh, can can the can can be units or individuals versus BYU. Let's go with let's go with individuals, Ryan. I think mm-hmm. for the purpose of this, I think it'd be more fun. Who is the X factor on offense and the X factor on defense against BYU? Let's start with the offense. What say yeah. you? Offense, I would. It's an interesting one. I think that for me, it has to be a wide receiver. I really think mm-hmm. I think it does because I think that you see the running back. Like it's not an X factor to pick any of the running backs right now after what they've been doing the last couple weeks and what they did last week, right? I, I think that it has to be a wide receiver. Who that is, I'm not really sure. Like maybe it's Braden Lindsay, maybe it's Lorenzo Styles. I don't really know who the X factor is right now, Brian. Honestly, but I think that it has to be a wide receiver in this game because that's just. That's the the next step in the maturation. The offensive line is getting better. The running backs are getting used better. Drew Pine had a better game last week. Michael Mayer is Michael Mayer. Need a wide receiver or two to really step up and be that guy at some point. And I just think that that's that's going to be a big key in this game. Yep. I think it's offensively. I think it's it's a pass. It it to me, it's going to be a pass game weapon that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Braden Lindsey whether that's Eli Raritan, Tobias Merriweather, somebody ripping off a couple big plays that forces BYU to change how they're defending them, that, that that's not Michael Mayer or Lorenzo Styles, Because I think they'll have a plan for those two guys, right? And so we're kind of on the same page, Ryan. I would just say that it could also be a, a second tight end, right? Would give Hopefully. the same impact that what you're talking about, right? Like if they're not playing it, you know, Bre- Eli Raritan and Holden Stace combined for six catches for 90 yards because they didn't play him, something like that. You know what I mean? Right. But I think the the you and I are coming at it from the same point. Somebody's got to step up in the pass game. That's not your two dudes to really help you out. I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And and so defensively, you know who it is for me defensively. I, I'm going to say this for me defensively. The the key to this game is going to be. Um, is going to be Isaiah Foskey. Okay. 
My concern is because Mm -hmm. BYU has big, long tackles. Whenever Foskey has had issues, and it's been rare, it's been against big, long tackles. It's all against Marshall. It's all against Ohio State. It's all against Cincinnati last year to a degree. Cincinnati was partly they had some length there, but also partly because they schemed. They just said, we're not going to let him beat us, which is why some other guys had some success. He's got to play. He's got to play like he did the last two. He was a monster the last two games. I mean, I still think North Carolina game was arguably the best game of his career. Now, statistically, it wasn't there, but he was so good in every aspect of the game. If he can do that and have some success, because like you said, we haven't seen him really do that, that get low and around a guy that he was really good with last year. Mm-hmm. That's something that Freeland could have some problems with, because you mentioned he's really long, but he doesn't bend well. I can yep. see Isaiah getting under his hands and having some success there. Yep. And then, of course, against the other kid, he should have a speed advantage on. I think if he can have a big game, it's going to force Jaron Hall into the arms of some other guys a lot. And it's going to force Jaron Hall to be very uncomfortable in the pocket. If you can make Jaron Hall uncomfortable in the pocket, that is going to be a, a big thing. And so I think Isaiah is the key to me. And I, I wanted to say Benjamin Morrison, you know, matched up against Puka because they're going to go left. Notre Dame goes field boundary. So you know he's going to be matched up in the boundary at times if Puka plays, and we'll have a comment here down there from on that. So I, but I wanted to say Brandon Joseph because I just have a feeling Brandon Joseph is going to is going to be a guy that's going to be heavily involved in this game. I wanted to say Marist, you know, but I just I think Isaiah has to have a big game, and if you can be disruptive against Jaron Hall, this offense is going to have a tough time for BYU. I I already talked about mine earlier for the second part of this, Brian, for defense. Mine's Riley Mills again. I think that whether he's working. On the edge or interior, I think he has clear advantages in this game. Like I think that he has the advantage from power perspective against Blake Freeland if he's matched up against him, pass rush wise, and on just in the run game. And I think when he's inside against these guards, Barrington and uh, Clark Barrington and, and Lachance, I think that he has quickness advantages all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I think Riley Mills working inside and out is an ultimate X factor in this game because I think he has advantages everywhere he plays. Donovan O'Mara, thank you, Donovan, for this question. Hopefully we can match the – this is a comment, which I agree with. Hopefully we can match the intensity because BYU is going to come out ready to play with energy. There's no doubt. You're going to have – now that is one thing I'll say. Other than the Marshall game, energy and intensity is not something I've questioned about Notre Dame all year. They didn't lose to Ohio State because they weren't intense and didn't play with energy. They didn't execute. They didn't lose to Cal – they didn't play Cal tough or maybe not as tough as they should have because they didn't play with intensity and energy. They didn't execute. Same and, and same with North Carolina. They didn't give up those big plays late because they they weren't intense and, and didn't play with energy. They just they came out pretty fired up against North Carolina. I have been very impressed with Marcus Freeman's ability in five games to get his team to come out and play really with a lot of energy early. The exception was the Marshall game, mm-hmm. which lesson learned for him because that was a big – you put a lot into that game you know, into the Ohio State game, and then to lose that way, you know, maybe he didn't quite know just how his team was going to react that next game. But other than that, this Notre Dame team has come out and played with way more energy than we've seen and intensity than we've seen from the previous coach on both sides of the ball, Ryan. I That is something mm-hmm. I – now, did they, they play like garbage against Ohio State offensively, but they competed against Ohio State. They just didn't yep. execute for junk. But the, it's not like they didn't – they weren't playing hard – they weren't trying. I've never questioned this team's 
want to outside of the Marshall game. And even the Marshall game, it wasn't like they played soft. They just clearly weren't focused in that yeah. game. Yeah. They had terrible fo- – but they didn't – it's not that they, they didn't play hard. They just had no focus. Because, again, I think they were – it was because of the previous game. Yep. Got another super chat from Wicked Bronco Productions. If we get Jeremiah Love, Jade Lamar, Brandon Hillman, and Donovan Edwards, does Tyree come back or any guys transfer? It also does Joseph Hart and Foskey say. I'm, let me address this real quick. Yep. Dylan Edwards has not been recruited as a running back, and Brandon Hillman is not being recruited as a running back. The only way Brandon Hillman would play running back is if they don't get Jeremiah Love or Jaden Lamar decides not to sign with Notre Dame. As of right now, Jaden Lamar is planning on signing with Notre Dame. Now he is going to take some visits, and we'll see about that, and we'll have some updates on that. Our stance on Jeremiah Love has been the same all along. We'll have some comments on that here over the next few weeks about that. We feel good there. But uh, the other two guys are not running backs, and none of those guys are going to force Chris Tyree not to be brought back. Yep. He's been your best running back so far, in my opinion. You know, Chris Tyree will be back. He's only a junior. Uh, No guys will transfer because none of those guys are going to come out and beat those guys out right away. You know, where's Audrick Estime going to go? Now, could, could Logan Diggs transfer? Sure. Like Logan Diggs is just going to be a guy that I'm worried about every year until he's done playing, until his eligibility is <laughs> up. I'm just, I'm just going to because that's just kind of you know where he is right now. You know, being homesick and all that kind of stuff. I hope he stays. I love Logan Diggs as a player. I hope he stays, but I'm always going to be worried about him. But it's never going to be because of some incoming freshman. It's just going to be Janarian Jer- Price beats him out, Tyree beats him out, and Estimate beats him out. It won't be because of this recruiting class, which is very good, by the way. It's yep. just he'll be a junior and they'll be freshmen. He's going to have the advantage and he's really good. And I think Jeremiah Love is more of a Chris Tyree type of back with his how he has used run and pass game than he is an Audric Estime type of back, in my opinion. Can, can we um, can we just can we just enjoy recruiting for a little bit too? Can we start sure. thinking about what the negative connotations is to it? Right, like oh this guy's got to leave now. This guy's got to leave now. Can we just right. enjoy that Notre Dame is? Right. Recruiting the position well. And, and that players on the Notre Dame team are not afraid of competition, and they because they signed a top player, the other guys are going to leave. Like, Bama does this all the time. They sign big-time recruits, and the guys currently on the team don't leave. Yep. Right? So, uh, does Brandon Joseph, Cam Hart, and Isaiah Foskey stay? I don't see any chance in heck of Isaiah Foskey coming back next year. Yeah. I, I doubt Isaiah Foskey. The pre, the latter two, Brandon Joseph and Cam Hart, is going to be interesting, right? Yeah. And, again, we're going to have a little – I'm going to have a little – draft analysis coming up from sources around the NFL about Cam Hart specifically, and maybe a little bit more about Brandon Joseph in the near future. But as of right now, I I don't think either one has played up to the standard that we thought they could possibly play at at least the highest expectation. So I wouldn't be shocked if either one came back, but it's something that's not going to be determined until after the season, obviously. Yep. Zach Martin, one of the, of the linebackers who have a fifth or sixth year, who are you for sure keeping and who are you having a deeper discussion about? So uh, Bo Bauer cannot come back, so he's not a conversation. The mm-hmm. rest of the linebackers can. Jack Kaiser could. J.D. Bertrand could. And obviously Maris could. I'm definitely bringing Maris back. Yep. Probably bringing J.D. Bertrand back. The guy that I'd want to have a conversation about is Jack Kaiser. If I have the numbers, I'm bringing Jack back. Mm-hmm. Like There's one him back. As long as he's willing to be to compete for his job, because I'm not yep. handing it to him. And if he's okay, like if you get beat out, are you going to be okay being a rotation guy and not a starter? As long as he's okay with those two things, I'd love to have Jack Kaiser back if I have room. If you get title numbers between Jack and JD Bertrand, you're going to have to make a tough decision, in my opinion. Yep. 
That's how I feel about it. Ma- Maris but, is definitely one though. I'm 100 yeah. bringing him back. Not even thinking second about that one. Yeah. I, I agree. I would like as long as JD wants to come back, I'll I'll take JD back. Sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. He's got a promise me to stop getting ejected for targeting. <laughs> that's such a fluky thing. Uh, you know what I mean? It like is. it's such a fluky thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I would bring and JD's a captain too, right? I mean, yes. so there's a leadership aspect involved in that that I would want to bring back. And JD Bertrand also strikes me as the kind of kid that if somebody flat beats him out, mm-hmm. he 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 wouldn't be okay with it. In that you know he he would still want to compete in battle, but he's not going to be like all mad and become a cancer in the locker. You're like, look, this kid's really good. He beat me out, right? But hey, what's my mm-hmm. role? Let me go play my role. He just strikes me as that kind of kid. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to compete his butt off to not get beat out. So it's not like I'm saying like, oh, he doesn't count. I'm cool. Hey, beat me out. It's all good. I'm going to hang out back here. That's not what I'm saying. Right. It's just some guys get beat out and they get all in their feelings because they don't, they, oh, it's not fair. Other they guys are out. like, dude, this kid was better than me. Like, like I, I did the best I could. And this kid just makes more plays than me and et cetera, et cetera. But I still have a role to play. And, you know, like Drew Pine, Drew Pine could have got in his feelings when Tyler Buckner beat him out and all, but he didn't, he stayed locked in and ready to, for when his number was called and cheered Tyler on every step of the way. And just like Tyler has done with Drew, that's the kind of kid you want. Does, yep. Was Drew Pine happy that he wasn't a starter? Of course he wasn't happy. He, of course he thought he should have started or at least wanted to start, but he's a team guy. Not all kids are that way. Right. And you want to, you want to go to, you want to roll with those kids, but that's a conversation you have to have when you bring a guy back for a fifth or sixth year, Ryan, because not all those kids are that way. And you got to make sure that a kid has that kind of attitude uh, before you bring him back, especially a kid who's been a starter. If you're going to, there's a chance he may not start and he's not going to be happy about it. You got to be careful. Like, look, you know, that may just be best for you to move on. But I, I think we could see some transfers from Notre Dame this offseason because I think Notre Dame's going to keep loading up with it. I think, I still think they're going to get to 27 or at least close to it. I keep saying that, man. People keep asking for the numbers. I keep saying 26 to 27, I think is the number. Yeah. And I, I mean, would it, would it shock you if they got to 28? Like, I don't think that would shock it, me. It wouldn't shock me. It would, it would yeah. require an upset. Like, okay, they're at 22 right, right now. Yep. I think they still want a quarterback. They, sure. I, they still want Jeremiah Love. Sure. They still want another receiver. That's three right there. That's 25. They yep. are they are recruiting offensive linemen. If the right guy comes along to replace Elijah Page, that would be four. They mm-hmm. still are trying to get another defensive end, right, in yep. this class as well. Plus, you have Brandon Hillman, who is – where is he going to play? Uh, uh, wherever he wants if he comes, <laughs> right? I mean, wherever we have a need. You know, so that's, that's what, five right there. That's 27, right? So – you know, could they get a 28th? Maybe. It's possible. But, you know, like if a Samuel pull off an upset with a Samuel and Pemba or something late, you know, maybe something like that. But I still think 26, 27 is the, is the target. I think at so this too. point in time. Yep. Patrick Quinlan with a super chat. Thank you, Patrick. I know this has been discussed ad nauseum, but I would like to hear your thoughts on what Tom Marie said about the usage of Tobias Merriweather yesterday. I am really glad that I did not listen to that press that that press conference did not happen before our show yesterday because i would have gone off oh no uh basically I, did I you hear, hear Ryan? this i didn't hear this. he basically no. said hey we had a package it just you know the game flow didn't get in there which i think is stupid here's here's the thing that i will say mm-hmm. like that's on you as the offense quarter to make sure that something you worked on in practice gets used in a game i can't stand that game flow stuff and and it's nonsense to me. Plus, the other part of it is that's bad coaching because why are you practicing on stuff? Do you know how much reps you have to do with something to have a package for a guy? Yeah. And you did you used all those reps for a package and you didn't use them. That means you didn't you you didn't make the best use of your practice time. Either way, that's a bad answer for me. 
Yeah. It's not a good answer. And so as a coach, I'm like, well, then why are we practicing a package for this kid? If we're not going to use it, what are we doing? Right. And then it's just the same old stuff. You know, he's got to do this. He's got to do that. I'm so sick and tired of that. I'm so sick and tired of it. Like there is some truth to it when it comes to the volume of how much a kid plays. Sure. But for a kid like Tobias Merriweather to only get four snaps in four games, barring him just being a delinquent, which he is not at all, or a kid who doesn't work, which isn't accurate at all, according to no one, unless there's some extenuating circumstances that makes him an untrustworthy kid as a human being, there's no excuse not to play him already. None. Mm-hmm. There's just there's just none. Now, is he the focal point of your offense? No, not saying that. But he needs to play. It's yes. just it, it's just as simple as that, man. It, it's as simple as that. I mean, you know, I just there's no excuses for it. None. No excuses for it. So he needs to play. So I don't like what he said, but I'm just I'm tired of talking about it. He needs to play him. Freaking play the kid. You know, stop with all this excuses. Play him. He's too good not to have a role. And if you can't get him ready, then that's a you problem. And I'll say it again. I'm not going to say any more because I don't want to go on another tangent because I talked about it yesterday. That, the, pack, the package thing also makes it worse. <laughs> For being yeah. honest, like, it makes it worse. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. just be like, yeah, he's not ready. And I'd be like, all yeah. right, I don't agree, but like, okay. You right. Know, I don't know. Right. Right. He's good enough for you to work on a package for him, mm-hmm. but then you just decide not to use it for game flow. That yeah. is even mean. That's coach speak for, I don't want you to ask more about this. Yes. Is what that <laughs> is. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, let's see here. We have a, this is from Corey Flynn. Corey said, my Mormon father-in-law who listens to their sports talk uh, daily says that Puka Nakua probably isn't playing. That would be a huge loss for BYU. Now, I had heard that he was going to, that he probably was going to play, but that was a couple days ago. So yeah. if, if there's a shot that he does, if he doesn't play, that hurts them big. They are not the same team when he doesn't play. He, yep. To your point, just looking at him, it's the Michael Mayer comparison that you made earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, is he as good of a player as Michael Mayer? No, nah. but the impact he has on that offense is very similar, meaning yes. they're very different players, but. You take him out. Like, he is the guy you build your pass game around. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they're often struggled against Baylor and, or- and Oregon without him, Ryan, because he's a legit player. I mean, he to me, if he's healthy, he's a kid that gets drafted, If yes. he, as long as he tests well. He's a legitimate – like, if he wanted to transfer to Notre Dame, I'd take him in a heartbeat. 100%. Right? Like, I mean, 100%. This, he's a good football player. If he doesn't play, that's a huge loss for them. Hey, Washington, Washington, because obviously that's where he was before. Washington's been recruiting wide receiver pretty well over the last couple yes. of years, huh? With Jalen McMillan oh, yeah. and the what, what is the name? O- Odonzo. Yeah, Rome. Like you've got yeah. you had Terrell Bynum that transferred to USC. Yeah. Was yeah, they've they've definitely recruited that position well. And they had Puka. Uh, yeah. and like you said, it's not like he didn't play there. Yeah. You know, I mean, he in three games in 2020, because you know. They only played three and four games in the Pac-12 that year. He had nine <laughs> catches for 151 yards that year. Yeah, you know, I mean, as as you know, I mean, as a freshman in eight games, he had seven catches for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Right? I mean, so this kid can play. This yep. kid can play, and he had three catches for 43 yards and a touchdown against number five Oregon that year in a five point loss from Washington. So yeah, kid can play. Kid's really mm-hmm. good, really good, really good football player. 
Um, so if they don't have him, Ryan, that that's I mean that changes a lot about because now it's just a bunch of you have the big kid, you have the tight end who's really big, and Keanu Hill who's really big. You can yep. maybe win some jump balls with, uh, but that, that there is not a lot of speed. And I mean, who's the who's the guy that scares you to take the top off the defense? Other than just you throw a bomb up and Keanu Hill outplays two guys for the ball. Who who is that guy if Puku is not in there? Yeah, I mean, because Gunnar Romney's like an intermediate separator. Chase Roberts is an outside the numbers technician of a route runner. Like, there's there's not that guy. To your point, yeah. he's not. Yep. Let's see here. Here's a good one from uh, Irish Mojo. Will Ryan be doing an NFL scouting draft report on each eligible eligible player for the draft? Uh, when we get closer to the draft, absolutely. And there's a couple other things that Ryan and I are talking about with the comes to the draft, but we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that stuff for now. But we'll have some stuff to discuss. But yes, as we get closer to the draft, uh, Ryan will be doing a lot more. If Notre Dame has guys at the Senior Bowl, we'll we'll have him down there as well. Uh, so yes, we'll uh, we'll definitely take advantage of his of his draft. But it's just Ryan through five games. It's just really I don't really care much about i mean there's good info like okay how are you viewed now but like no one should be making decisions on kids based off of four or five games i mean there's still a lot of games to play and that's good or bad i mean if a quarterback's yeah. playing great three four games into the season and then you know like remember when kenny hill kenny the thrill oh, hill and everybody kenny, like kenny trill kenny trill? yeah kenny trill <laughs> and he comes out as like first couple games he's like looks great and then like what happened to him like oh this yes. kid's really good and then all of a sudden it's like kid stinks you know, like, how about we let, you know, like, let these things play out for a little bit. You mean, so. I can't, I mean, I can't overreact over one game. No, Brian, I, no, I, I, I know I'm how all, much I'm you on love Twitter. to do that. I'm on Twitter. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Cole Barker says, how much better in your opinion is Merriweather over the starting crew of wide receivers, if any? I mean, just from a God-given ability standpoint, the only guy on the roster that has a chance to be able to say he's in the same league as Tobias is Brayden, is, is uh, uh, excuse me, Lorenzo Styles. That's it. And they're they're different players. But yeah. just just as far as just raw talent, mm-hmm. he's the best they have. Now, having said that, in the coach's defense, just being talented doesn't mean you should. I don't think Tobias should play just because he's talented. Yep. But I had sources in Notre Dame talking about how he knows the offense and all this other. It's about, it's like you can't. I don't. I don't know if they can go into a game and like I've heard coach say this, not Notre Dame necessarily or anyone in the current staff. But well, I don't know if I can trust him on Saturdays. Well, how the heck are you going to know if you don't play him? Right. Like how how can I like every single kid that ever played at some point in time had to prove himself on a Saturday, mm-hmm. right? I mean every single one. So unless except you know, get get a guy in that is a transfer that proved it somewhere else. Like you guys have to, you, you've got to give a kid a chance to play. The, the greatest point I've ever heard you make, Brian, was that okay, the, the trust thing, whatever. It's a, it's a kind of a bogus excuse to me, right? Sure. But you said this, and I agree with you 100% before you said, has what you've seen out of Notre Dame's wide receivers given you trust in them? Like, what, who has gained your trust that it's just like you can throw a kid out because you right. don't trust him? Like, that's just, right. yeah, yeah. Like I said, I could understand it if we're in 2018 and we're talking about Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool, and Chris Fink. And they're Paul. I yeah. get it. I yeah. get it. Or, or even 2015 with Will Fuller, Chris Brown, and I would still not like it. The kids should still play. You don't need to mm-hmm. start them because those guys are really good, but you still give them 10 to 15 snaps a game. But even then, you'd be like, you know what? I get it because those are all like potential NFL players. And, and Chris Fink plays a different position than Tobias. 
right? Yeah. I mean, so and was really good in 2018. I mean, Chris mm-hmm. Fink was a really good football player in 2018 and a great compliment to the other guys that they had. And yet Al's eight tight end and all that. But even then, I'd still say the kid should play at least as a rotation guy, get him some opportunities in case one of those guys gets hurt and then he's got to become the guy. But right now, there's nobody on the field, even Lorenzo Styles, who's mm-hmm. your you know best guy receiver. And I shouldn't even do that because he is their best receiver. He is their most talented guy that of, of the non-freshmen. He's a very talented kid. He's just not playing very well. Hopefully he can build on the Carolina game. But a lot of that was they put a lot of focus on him. And so to me, even with Lorenzo, Tyler, T- Tobias needs to play. I, I'm, so sick of t- I'm so sick of talking about this every year. And it's at this position. It's yeah. This is the position where it's primarily been an issue for me. But we've seen it at running back. I know for a fact that there were coaches on the Notre Dame staff that were begging Brian Kelly to let them play Kyron Williams in 2019. Begging him. Because A, they had no depth at running back. When they played Georgia, the only healthy running back they had, the only two healthy running backs they had were Kyron and Tony Jones. That's it. That's why they didn't try to run the ball that game because they were like, well, we don't have a run. We only have one running back. Right. If he gets hurt, we have no running backs because we're not allowed to use Kyron. That was a head coach decision. Not, not a running backs coach, not an offensive coordinator decision. That was a head coach decision. Why? Why would you ever, why would you ever redshirt a running back that early in the season? Well, he dropped the ball against Louisville. Oh, so. <laughs> Other dudes dropped balls that game too, not just him, right? And because Jafar, remember Jafar Armstrong got hurt the week before, mm-hmm. and Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister were both hurt and couldn't play, and just decided to go play George with one running back because the head coach didn't want to play Kyron Williams. So this isn't just, you know, remember when when and when Brian Kelly in twenty twenty almost lost it when Brian Kelly said that you know well Chris Tyree's just here to give Kyron a breather. Your four three <laughs> athletes is here to give him a breather. You know, it doesn't play against Clemson in the ACC title game until late in the game, right? And they finally give him the. He had one carry against Clemson in the title game. You know what he did with that one carry? He went twenty plus yards for a touchdown. Doesn't play hardly at all against Syracuse, and then finally gets the ball late. What's he do? Ninety four yard touchdown run. Like it's it, it predates this current head coach. But it's been a problem on offense for years, for years. Well, Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer is the exception, not the rule. <laughs> so whatever. Anyway, I'm just I'm tired of talking about it. And that's and 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 Coach Freeman's the one that's going to have to step in and fix this. If if Coach Reese isn't willing to do it, and I hope he is. I hope I hope Coach Reese decides. You know what? We got to get this kid on the field this week. If he doesn't, then then Coach Freeman's got to step in and say, play the kid. It's not a it's not a, it's not a request. It's a demand. And that's what head coaches do. You're the head coach. It needs to happen because you're not only going to hurt yourself now with Tobias, you're going to hurt yourself recruiting, right? Because Washington's going to be like, hey, look what we're doing. You know, like they got a top 100 dude over there and they only played a kid, right? I guarantee he'd play for us. And that would kind of be how it would go. So, mm-hmm. anyway, Ryan, uh, it, so Cole says, is this Tommy or coach? This is 100% on Tommy Reese, 100%. From everything I've been told, from multiple sources, this is 100% a Tommy Reese decision. He doesn't think he's ready. So he doesn't play him. So anyway, that's going to do it for today. Ryan, good show. I really enjoyed this. We're going to be back tomorrow for our Keys to Victory show. Tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk at 6 p.m. Eastern. You're going to have Sean Styers and Vince D'Addario. We'll have their Wednesday mailbag. Uh, so you definitely check that out. 
hit up the website at irishbreakdown.com. We have a lot of BYU Notre Dame breakdowns. You definitely want to check that out. And of course, check out the IB message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Share this podcast. And share with other people about what we do. I had a guy the other day who was like, yeah, I was having a debate with a Notre Dame friend and friend and he was saying this, this, and he goes, yeah, I probably should have told him he needs to listen to IB. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do, for sure. So not just share the podcast, but share your knowledge of what we do here with other people because we're always trying to grow and always trying to build what we're doing. So Ryan, great show today. Great job today. Really appreciate you. Thank you all very much for being with us today. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.